Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. I really do believe God has something that he wants to deposit into your heart today. You know, we talked about the difference between inheritance and possession, right? We talked about the part that God does that we cannot do. And then we talked about the part that we do that God will not do for us, right? And then last week, we talked about what it means to actually take on the enemy that God has put right in front of us. It can be very daunting to live this spiritual life with everything that needs focus. How many of you in your life ever realize, you know, yeah, everything in my life needs work? <laughs> it's just a constant thing. But God wants us to understand that he wants us, just as he did with the Israelites, to be able to process through and take on the enemy that he's given us right in that moment. And how important it is for us to fix our eyes on him in the middle of that. Well, today we're going to continue that journey and we're going to be looking at what happened after Jericho. After Jericho, the Israelites went on this massive conquest of the promised land. And it's really, really cool to see because they made some mistakes, but then they always came back and they repented and they aligned their hearts with the Lord. And then we see these incredible victories that happened in the promised land. And we see, and we're going to look at some of these here, but, but to start with, the reason that we see these victories outlined in Joshua 10 and 11 is because of the leadership of the men that they had as they were going into the promised land. Because if you look back at the very beginning, both Moses and Joshua have two components to their life that made this whole thing possible. And their leadership in these areas is what set the Israelites up for victory or not. And these two things were pursuit and obedience. Pursuit and obedience. You look at Moses and Joshua, both of these men had crazy encounters with God, where God pursued their hearts, where they were just living their ordinary everyday life, and God encountered them, whether it was in the burning bush, or whether the, 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 the leader of the Lord's army came down and talked directly to Joshua. There were these moments that they had these encounters with God that shaped their life. And their response was to turn around and to pursue God with everything they had. Hebrews, in Hebrews 11, we talk, it's, the, it's the wall of faith, and it talks about Moses. And it says this about Moses, that it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because, get this, he kept his eye on the one who was invisible. In other words, Moses continued to pursue God. His love for God that was initiated because of God first pursuing him. How many of you are thankful that God pursued us first? And that our response is a pursuit back to God. And this is a powerful thing that happens. And then Joshua, we see this that in Joshua. Joshua was the guy who hung out in the tent. That after Moses had spent time with God, in Exodus 33, we see this, that inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to his friend. Afterwards, Moses would return to camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, would remain behind in the tent. He had a pursuit for the heart of God. Now, here's the important thing. Here's where it comes together. Both of these men had a love for God, 
that drove their pursuit of God and consequently their obedience of God. Notice the the order of how that happened. Their love for God drove ultimately being able to obey him. And as they pursued, they didn't only just pursue uh, victory in the promised land. As they were leading the Israelites, what they were really doing was actually pursuing the heart of God. And we see that this is what set them up for victory. And also, we're going to see on the flip side how it didn't. So the result of this pursuit of God and their obedience was the continual advancing of the kingdom. And we see this first in Jericho. You know, uh, Joshua leads the uh, army of the Israelites into battle, and they have victory there. But then they continue to have victory after victory after victory. And we actually see right after Jericho, Joshua doesn't seek the Lord for the battle plan. Um, He kind of gets, I don't know, excited, I'm assuming, maybe that they won. And they go straight to Ai, and they start to wage battle there. But he didn't have the God plan at that exact moment, and he kind of missed it a little bit. And they actually didn't have victory the first time they went to Ai. Um, And he he went back to the Lord, and he's like, what's going on? Why did this happen? And God was like, well, there's, there's sin in the camp. And so Joshua was then faithful to remove the situation of sin and then pursue the plan of God. And so you can see that he actually um, continually had victory. Even when he messed up, he went and he, he went to the Lord and he's like, God, what's going on? And God's like, hey, you didn't seek me. You didn't ask for my plan and I'm going to give it to you now. And then he followed through on that. So I think that gives us hope that, you know, when we get excited about a victory and then we kind of start like, "Woo, I got it, I got it, I got it. And then it's like, nope, actually I don't got it. We can go to the Lord just the same as Joshua did and repent and turn and turn towards him and he will give us the victory. So what's great about Joshua and that we can observe about the Israelites under him is that the Lord went before them and gave them the victory and also they obeyed fully. So every place that they took under Joshua, if you look through the book of Joshua, it says they destroyed every enemy. They didn't leave any any enemies out there to kind of come back and take over. They completely destroyed, which is what God asked them to do. He said, completely destroy your enemies. They did it um, sometimes in a very uh, exciting way. Gruesome. You should read Joshua. It's quite exciting. Um, <laughs> but we, they didn't make a concession. They didn't say, oh, maybe we should just leave this one altar, or maybe we should just leave this one tiny thing. It's not really that bothersome. No, they fully obeyed the Lord. They made no concessions, and they fully dispossessed the enemy. And that's the key, right? In in many times, as God's calling us to possess the promises that he has for our life, as he's causing, as he's leading us to possess the land that he's already given to us, we got to dispossess some things. And often this precedes the possession, right? There's things in our life, there's enemies, there's things that the enemy has seeded in. There's this, it's really, it's a really nasty word called sin and it's this thing that is embedded in us and what we have to do is by the power of the holy spirit we have to obey god in dispossessing that not in our own strength but through the power of the holy spirit but there is a part that we play in dispossessing the enemy so that we can possess all the things that god has so i have this question as we're reading through how does this huge group of people taking physical land by physical force correlate to us what does 
Joshua actually have to do with us and their conquest and their victory of taking land? Because it's not like the Lord is asking us today to go and... Um, <laughs> and take actual physical land. That's not what we're talking about here. Um, by physical force. Like, please don't do that. That's not... Um, that's not what we're encouraging you to do. <laughs> um, but we are advancing a kingdom, and it's under the same power. So just like the Israelites were advancing the kingdom of God in physical force and in physical land, we are now called, to, that was a shadow. That's actually like a, it's a beforehand. It's something God was showing us to relate to us now. We are taking a spiritual kingdom by spiritual force, we have power in Jesus to break every chain that is set up against us. Just like we were singing today, it was so powerful. And it's like, we have the name of Jesus going before us. And so we are waging war in the spiritual battle. And we get to actually, we, we know the ending. We win. We win every time because in Jesus, we have his power in us, living in us by the Holy Spirit. So the battle that we're fighting is not just about ourselves. Um, it's not just about our own personal victories. Our battle is actually for the kingdom of God, which is much bigger than just an right. individual. Right. We are a collective, a group, a united body in Christ fighting this battle. And so we're not just trying to have our own personal victory, which is important. We are also trying to have a victory that actually brings people into the kingdom. Our goal is to do what Jesus said in Matthew uh, 28 somewhere. Um, he says, <laughs> I, didn't write, I didn't write the, the, um, the verse. So, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Our love for God will fuel this in us. As we get close to the Lord, we will be fueled to become people who are disciple makers. We want to be a disciple making church. That's what we're called to do is to extend the kingdom of God. And the only way we can do that is to, to first let the Lord heal us of all the sin that's going on inside of us and then to push out, extend past ourselves, start to look at him and say, I love you so much. I'm going to set my eyes on you. I want to follow you. I want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to be stuck in this pattern of mediocrity. I want to go for you. I want to live for you and just for you, not for myself, not for my own selfish gain, but for what you have set before me. Preach. Sorry, this is in me. <laughs> it oh, really comes down to... I have to one question. Oh, okay. I forgot. This is a really important question that I want us to all ask ourselves. And it is, the kingdom of God is advancing. And the question becomes for us, do we want to advance with it? Or would we rather continue to sit and be consumed by ourselves? It's a good question that we all must honestly ask ourselves. We need, we need to let the Lord kind of work out all the selfishness in us. And I, I'm preaching this to myself yeah. just as much as I'm preaching it to you. But we have to allow the Lord to speak to us and say, hey, I want you to live for something more than what you see right here. I want you to live for a kingdom by faith. By faith, we set our, our eyes on Jesus. By faith, we set our sights on the kingdom that he is bringing to us. What's interesting about uh, AI and well, Jericho, really, is how much the victory of the whole is affected by each individual. 
the advancement of the kingdom of God is dependent on the church in unity actually taking ground for the kingdom of God. And you see in Jericho, there's this actually, there's this example of somebody who decided that instead of building the kingdom of God, they were going to build their own kingdom. And you saw that they actually took some of, Achan took some of the, the spoils of Jericho. After God had said, no, get rid of it all. You're going to give it to me as a first fruits. He took some of it. And what happened? He caused the nation to face defeat. You, each of us individually, have a very, very specific part that we play in the whole. The advancement of the kingdom of heaven is contingent on each of us individually advancing the kingdom in our lives. If we want to see the kingdom of God advancing here in our church, if we want to see the kingdom of God go forward, if we want to see revival happen, it's going to take a unity of heart. It's going to have to take a unity of our resolve to say, God, we are going to follow you. We are going to pursue you with all of our heart, and we're going to cut off all the stuff that keeps us from actually doing that. Because in our world, guys, there is a ton of stuff that keeps us from pursuing the heart of God. You wake up in the morning and everything screams against you to spend time with the Lord. For us, if we want to see the victory, if we want to see the kingdom of God extend, it starts in us first. Now, this is really cool and this is very inspiring and it's awesome just to see their conquest and relate it to our conquest and how we're extending the kingdom. But then this thing happened because Joshua died. And what's really, really scary and sobering is that when Joshua died, the Israelites began to slip. You see this in Judges chapter 1 and verses 19 through 33. I'm just going to highlight some of the effects of this. In chapter, in verse 19, they failed to drive out the people living in the plains. Verse 21, they failed to drive out the Jebusites. Verse 27, they failed to drive out the people living in the land. Verse 29, they failed to drive out the Canaanites. Verse 30, they failed to drive out the residents. Verse 31, they failed to drive out. 33, they failed to drive out. You see a pattern. They failed to completely conquer the enemy like God had commanded. They let a little bit of stuff remain. They said, no, it's better if we're just going to make them our slaves. The problem is that in doing that, they decided to coexist with the enemy, and they didn't affect the enemy. The enemy affected them. Their coexistence opened the door for them to worship the gods of the enemy rather than their god. And they decided to go after the things of the world rather than after the heart of God. They traded out this thing. And here's the crazy thing. This is is the sobering thing. I said it earlier in chapter 2 and verses 10. After the generation died, another, the next generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord and remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. So what happened? The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord and the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. One generation. You saw these miraculous things, these incredible things, and one little thing happened. The people who served and lived under Joshua failed to pass on the remarkable things that God had done to the next generation. 
And this generation began to slide and they made concessions and they actually took on the evil of the land that they were living in. And here's the really sobering part is God came to them in Judges 2, in verse 2, and he, said, and he actually rebukes them. He says this, For your part, you did not make any, you are not to make any covenants with the people living in the land. Instead, you were to destroy their altars. But you disobeyed my command. Why did you do this? You can hear the heart of God, the hurt in God's heart here to his people. Why did you do this? So now I declare that I will no longer drive out the people living in the land, and they will be thorns in your side, and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. This is really, really sobering, and it sounds pretty bleak, but can I tell you something? This is what's beautiful about the Israelites. We have an example we have an example of what it looks like for a people to be unified, to pursue the heart of God with everything inside of them, and to obey everything that God has said. And we see the results of that. And we also see the results of the other side, right? And God would say to us today at River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho, what will you choose today? What will you choose? Who will you choose? The choice is before you. What choice will you make? Will you pursue my heart or not? Yeah, I think what's amazing about this is that in our new covenant, we have Jesus as our mediator. And so we, the Israelites actually didn't have Jesus. They were before. So everything they did was by faith for a future kingdom. And so when I think that it's beautiful to see the Lord's heart, um, why did you choose this? Why, why didn't you choose me? I don't, I don't want harm for you. The Lord says that over and over again. I don't want harm for you. I want good for you. And so he's asking us to draw near to him. And then he paid the price through Jesus that we would be able to go and have that victory through him. And we don't have to have sin be a thorn in our side. We don't have to live with that. We actually, Jesus took the thorn out from us and put it in himself. Honestly, like if you look at that passage, it's like Jesus took all of that weight of judgment that the Lord had put on the Israelites. He took it all and put it on himself. We see that the consequences of sin is death. And we see that Jesus fulfilled that for us. And so we don't have to, we don't have to be buried in that. Um, we are we are contrasting kind of two mentalities and two kingdoms. I don't know if you guys have caught on to that, but there's, I want to kind of capsulate it right now because I think we've said a lot of things, right? But there's two kingdoms. There's the Israelite kingdom and there's the spiritual kingdom that we live for, which is this, the kingdom of heaven. So we're contrasting the two and we're kind of playing off both of those, right? And then we're also contrasting the mentalities. There's a a pursuit of God, love for God as a response to his love for us, and then a, a obedience that follows. And then we're also contrasting another mentality, which would be one of um, compromise and concessions that leads to apathy. And apathy is actually defined um, as showing or feeling no interest, enthusiasm, or concern. And so I think for us, the question today is, do we have apathy towards the kingdom of God? Do we have apathy toward his heavenly kingdom? Yeah, 
Um, and, and apathy, I, I was thinking about it, and it's like having or feel, showing or feeling. So, so we might feel not apathetic, but do we show that we're not apathetic? Like, do we show that we have interest and concern for the kingdom? Um, and that, that is shown. It's not just a feeling or a thought. It's an it's a action. It's a verb. It's a movement um, in our lives. So um, if we feel apathetic toward the kingdom of God, toward his call, toward his mission, we must ask ourselves some difficult questions um, and, and ask the Lord to do that hard work in us, just like we were talking about a little earlier. We can't afford to be apathetic about our personal pursuit of Jesus or passing on the truth, the love, the grace, or the mercy of God. We must not be apathetic. We can, as Hebrews 12:1 says, um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, Moses and Joshua are some of those witnesses, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the grace, the race that God has set before us. So it's time to strip off the weights that keep slowing us down, apathy, sin, um, compromise, kind of trying to live a double life, all of those things. Let's like throw them off because we have that power in the name of Jesus. He has come, he's paid the price, and we can actually throw those things off of us and actually break them off with our words and then begin to walk that out with our actual lives. We have that power in him. Okay, real quick, I think that what you said about the, the definition of apathy here showing uh, or feeling no interest, enthusiasm, or concern, just picture in your mind for a second what the opposite would be, because this is really what, what God is challenging us to do. The opposite of apathy would be to show feeling, interest, enthusiasm, or concern for the kingdom of heaven. As you gauge your life, would you say that in your life you are showing feeling towards the kingdom of heaven, that there is interest in the kingdom of heaven, is there enthusiasm in your life towards the kingdom of heaven and the things of God? Are you concerning yourself with the kingdom of God, right? The opposite of apathy is something that we should now look to for what God wants us to do. And it's still me. <laughs> so here's, here's the cool promise. Here's the cool promise. Obviously, in Judges, we see what happens when they didn't do this. They didn't pursue God and all of the ramifications of everything happening. But there's this beautiful passage of scripture in Deuteronomy 30. And God is speaking to his people. And I want you to hear this because this, this is the desire of God for each one of us. For you, I want you to hear this as the words of God spoken right to your heart this morning. Okay, hear, hear it this way. Today, I've given you a choice between life and death. It's a choice between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And then he says this in verse 20, you can make this choice by, here's the order, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long and in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, you will live in the promise that has been promised to you. 
Get this, this is the heart of God. Not that you would be apathetic. Not that we would turn our backs. Not that we would say, you know what, it's too much work. Or that we get distracted by the things of the world. God says, no, I want you to choose life. Because the reward of it is so amazing. And all I'm asking you to do in choosing life is to pursue a love relationship with me. This is what God is saying. It begins with a love relationship. It begins by us just bringing in the simplicity of who we are and saying, God, I don't know how all this is supposed to work. I don't even see how everything's supposed to happen. I don't see how all the victory is supposed to be accomplished in my life, but I'm going to start by the point of loving you because my heart is what you want. Yeah. And we make that choice, and that is what God honors. Our love is expressed in our time, our thoughts, our pursuit, and the fight that we're in, the battle we are in, is to fan into flame our love for the Lord. How do we fan in that flame? You begin intentionally reading the word. You can meditate on a verse. Psalm 119 is incredible. You can pick one verse out of Psalm 19 and then be set forever because the Psalm 119 is really long. But you, just, you start setting your heart. You, you're intentional about setting your heart, your thoughts on him. Here's some keys for you. You begin to praise him. When everything in your world is going upside down or even when it's going good, you start to praise him. Praising him is exactly what we did in worship today. All the songs that were pointed straight to Jesus, they were focused on the majesty of who he was. We praised him. And then in that, and this is how we ended worship, we thanked him. You want to see your situation in life change? Just start thanking God for everything he's done. Start to recount and start to process through. Look at all of the incredible things God has done. You find that there's actually more that God has done in your life than you're aware of. So you start to do this. And then sometimes you start to shout. The Bible actually says that it's okay to shout. That there is a shout that breaks the yoke of slavery. What? The heavy, the heavy yoke. It breaks that yoke. There are times that in your house, maybe you just need to shout. You're in your car at a stoplight, and you just look ridiculous. But you just need to shout. Why? Because the joy of the Lord in that shout is going to break off the heavy burden. Yeah. And his spirit is there to connect with you. Some of you are like, yeah, shout. Okay, that's, that's great. Just try it. Or you could do this. I did this. This is actually a lot of fun. You drive up into the mountains towards Bogus, and there's places you can, like, pull off and go up in the hills. And you just go outside and shout at the top of your lungs. Who's going to stop you? It's, it's incredible. He came back very invigorated. <laughs> and horse. <laughs> Some of you guys. So um, what God is calling us to today is to leave behind all the things that kind of keep weighing us down and to get out of that apathetic concession mindset, making concessions, living in apathy. Um, First Peter 2, 1 through 3 says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with it. Be done with deceit and hypocrisy. Be done with jealousy and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out to him for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So when we have a taste of the Lord's kindness, we can begin to cry out to him. 
Give me the spiritual milk. That's what I want. I want to grow into the fullness of my salvation. I don't want to be trapped here in this low-grade fever of, of Christianity. I want to go and I want to live fully for you, totally for you, set apart for you, on fire for you and what you have for me. And, and, and the cool thing is, and it, because it can sound like it's all at the same time, again, it's one step. It's the first step in pursuing God, the first step to pursuing his heart. Maybe for you, that means actually reading the Bible on a daily basis. I know that's crazy, but it's really important yeah. for some of us. It's actually initiating a prayer life that we actually have to open our mouth to articulate praise and worship to God. But there's a step that each of us, wherever our relationship is with God, there is a step that we can make to deepen that relationship, to pursue God more. I know some of you have been following God your whole life, right? You have a legacy of what it means to pursue the heart of God. Don't be content with where you're at. Take a step to stir yourself once again, to stir yourself to pursuing God and all that he has for you. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.